0: Hello everyone, and welcome to this edition of the BreastCancer.org podcast. I'm Jamie DiPolo, I'm the Senior Editor at BreastCancer.org, and we are very thrilled today to have an extra special guest, Holly Kitchen. In 2012, Holly Kitchen was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer at age 39. She had a double mastectomy and went through a year of chemo, radiation, and hormonal therapy treatment. In November 2013, she learned that the cancer had recurred in her spine and other bones. Before this diagnosis, she knew little about metastatic disease and thought that having a double mastectomy meant that the cancer could never come back. To help educate more people about metastatic breast cancer, Holly posted a video she made last week on June 4th, and I'm sure a lot of folks out there have seen it. The response has been staggering. Millions of views, thousands of personal messages, and stories in media outlets around the world. Breastcancer.org is grateful that Holly gave our site a shout-out in the video, and we are so honored to have her as a guest on this podcast. Holly, welcome. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. So I, um, I'm just going to ask you, and I know that you've been asked this quite a bit, but I, but had you been thinking about making this video for a while? Was it just like spur of the moment? Like, Oh, Hey, I really need to tell somebody what it's like to live with metastatic disease. Um, you know, was it just that simple?
1: Well, no. Um, well, yes and no. I can tell you that when I was diagnosed metastatic, um, having that punch in the gut, I didn't want anyone else to ever feel like I did. Mm-hmm. And so my goal was to, at some point, try to get the message of metastatic disease out there so that no one felt like I did. And I, quite honestly, I didn't know how it was going to happen. And um, through cancer, uh, my faith has grown. And it was in a prayer time that the Lord put this format on my heart and he said, go do it. And I thought it was very strange and I listened and I did it 15 minutes before we were supposed to head out the door for dinner with the family. Um, so that part was definitely spur of the moment. There was no editing. There was no, let's retake that. There was
0: nothing, none of that. <laughs> okay. What? And, and so, and the idea for the note cards, it just all sort of came, came to you. Absolutely, I like
1: I say, um, you know, I don't know whether it was given to me in the dream or just in in prayer time, but the note cards were a very clear message to me. Um, I like to talk, so I was kind of bummed that uh, maybe the <laughs> I wasn't supposed to spread the message with my voice, but um, I listened to that <laughs> and you know, I have used the term lifer for myself because um, that's truly what I am uh-huh. I, I am I am a lifer in this and I'm not a survivor. And I never will be. So,
0: um, ending the video with Liper was very important to me. Okay. Okay. Now, when you were diagnosed, did you? Did what did metastatic disease mean to you? Did you actually understand what that was? Absolutely
1: not. Um, I, I I don't know that I had ever even heard the word metastatic, okay. um, which is astounding. Um, you know, I jumped in, or I, actually, I should say, I was violently pushed into the cancer world when I was very first diagnosed. And, you know, at that time, I, I don't believe the responsibility lays on your oncologist at that moment to say, hey, guess what? You're going to be fighting for your life right now. But um, yeah, metastatic disease exists. I don't, I don't believe that should be your oncologist's uh, responsibility. So maybe that's where my passion grew was that um, I wanted other people to know the word metastatic existed I even talked to breast cancer survivors today and they'll say to me, Hey, what's that meta word? Oh, wow. And that, yeah, that, that's not okay to me. That's not okay.
0: Right. And I guess this is a good point. Um, Just in case anybody out there is listening and they're not quite sure what metastatic disease is, we'll tell you it's when breast cancer, there are some cell or some cells they've moved into the bloodstream and they spread to other parts of the body. And in the case of breast cancer, um, it's the most common places for it to spread are the bones, the lungs, the liver, the brain, and the lymph nodes beyond, under the, you know, under the armpit area t- attached to the breast. So just so everybody out there knows what we're talking about, and it happens, the cells go through the bloodstream and they get to these other organs, and as far as we know, doctors aren't sure why um, those are the most popular areas for breast cancer to spread to, but it just happens to be that way. Um, right. Right. Now, Holly, I know you didn't expect the, spot, the response you got. You said you went out to dinner and you know thought, okay, I put my message out there. Um, I, I guess two questions to that was: if you knew that forty-six million people were going to be looking at it, would you would you have done anything differently or no? Oh my goodness! You know, there's
1: the side of me that says I probably would have done my hair better. I wouldn't made my <laughs> oh <no>. expression. <laughs> um. But seeing the responses, seeing um, how people have reached out, if I get down to the nitty-gritty, I don't know that I would do it different because evidently it worked. And that is that is that is the most important thing. I have to go back to that. This is about metastatic cancer. This is about metastatic breast cancer. And um, people are relating to that. The messages I'm getting are all over the world and all over the the spectrum of questions so um I don't know that I would have done it different
0: okay now (laughs) given the response to what do you think this tells us about some of the knowledge gaps relating to metastatic disease
1: um omg is my (laughs) best (laughs) um the gap is huge um it is it is huge. Um, I have had women reach out to me that say they are a two-and-a-half-year survivor, and they have never had a recheck,
0: and, and well, that is
1: not okay. Right. I have had women say, I'm 50 years old. I've never had a mammogram. I just assumed if I got breast cancer, I would have a double mastectomy and be done. Mm-hmm. That is not okay. Um, so the the education gap is... Huge, and it needs to it needs to be narrowed dramatically.
0: Okay. Now, it, it, and you used this card in your video. You your understanding was that no boobs equaled no cancer. Um, so I guess what I'm wondering, and, and I don't want to like dwell on this sort of, as you call it, a punch to the gut situation. But I guess I'm wondering. So after you got that diagnosis, you know, what was your What was your thought process? You know, clearly there was shock, anger, hurt, fear, all those kinds of things. Then was it one of education? Was it one of action? Um, I guess, you know, I'm trying to think that maybe what you went through could kind of help somebody else who's going through the same kind of situation.
1: Right, right, right. Well, at first I was in complete disbelief and confusion, and I didn't understand that I had removed all of my breast tissue, gone through chemotherapy gone through radiation, had a hysterectomy, but that breast cancer was still growing in my body. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that 30% of women with breast cancer will eventually metastasize. I didn't even understand that the cancer cells in my bones were actually breast cancer when my doctor said it. Um, I thought it was bone cancer. Mm. Um, I was clueless to the science behind metastases, and so my risk as an earlier stage patient um, everything flew out the window for me. Okay,
0: okay. And then, did you um, did you feel like you had to educate yourself? Did you find some resources out there? Did you talk to different doctors?
1: Uh, yeah, my sweet, loving, daring, lovely oncologist uh, stared me back in the face when I said, "So is this bone cancer?" She said, all right, let's, let me discuss with you about metastatic cancer. And so um, I did have a very, and still do have a very good relationship with her. She educated me in a brief 15 minutes about what metastatic cancer was. Um, she didn't want me going out there just on the internet, grabbing any little fact I could. And so she um, highlighted some very needed bullet points I needed. Um, and, and even delivered the message to me of, you know, if, if you go out there on the internet, it's going to tell you, you have 26 months to live. That's statistics. And so she gave me all ramifications, all, you know, the whole, whole Pandora's box of metastatic breast cancer. (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. That's great. Um, now I also know you've said that you're being flooded with questions from other patients, um, and you don't feel qualified to answer them, but are there, um, Certain questions you're hearing over and over again.
1: Um, well, I shared just a few minutes ago. Um, it, it, some people are giving me personal messages, even even not even just breast cancer, but um, you know they're asking me what my treatment was. Mm. Which you know I feel like sometimes people think, oh, she didn't do what I'm doing, so I don't have that risk. Right. Um, so I'm getting that. I'm, I'm getting you know what was your treatment. Um, And, of course, I'm also getting, you know, people telling me they have the cure-all for me or the magic cure. And, um, yeah, I'd like to just delete those. But people are kind, and they mean well. But, um, you know, I I have complete faith in my doctor. Um, And then questions of how often should I get rechecked after I'm done with breast cancer. You know, there's people reaching out, like I said, two and a half years later. Um, One woman is currently in chemo, and she said, okay, when I'm done, how often should I get checked? So those are kind of the reoccurring questions I'm getting. And um, if they get too much more difficult, I'm going to have to defer (laughs) because I'm not a scientist. I'm not a researcher. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a patient. Right.
0: Yeah. And my oncologist is tired of answering my questions.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, of
0: course not. There's there's never a bad question, but you know it's it is um, almost a little sad and scary that that people don't feel they could ask their doctors those questions.
1: Right, right. Um, you know, and I even had a woman make the comment to me because I, you know, I had a picture on on my Facebook page of my doctor and I at actually a breast cancer fundraiser. You know, we were arm in arm and smiling, and she said to me you know, I'm a metastatic stage four patient, but I mean, I don't have that kind of relationship with my doctor. And I thought to myself, well, you need to, I mean, I think you, you need to have a good relationship, a trust, a bond with the person that is giving your care to you because they're not just a doctor writing you a prescription. Mm-hmm. They are someone that is, has your quality of life at, at, in their hands. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's one thing about my doctor is is she's everything i mean she yes she may write me a prescription for chemo but she's also giving me marriage advice she's giving me children advice she even gives me potty training advice
0: (laughs) (laughs) excellent well and i know um i saw the picture you posted on your facebook page of the when you got your scans and how when you came out the team was holding up note cards
1: yes that was yes very very kind um You get bonds with people through this whole lifer phase, and you see the same faces, and it makes things less intimidating. It makes things less grueling. It It makes you feel like you're human and that you matter, and that's the kind of hope we need in this metastatic world. Um, We need the smiles, the warmth, and the love, no matter if it is a pet scan, chemotherapy, or an ex—you know, we need it all the way around. Because we're humans, we're moms, we're business owners, we're workers, there's even dads. So, you know, I never want to leave out the men in this fight either. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Well, and that's a good lead-in, because I was wondering— a lot of people say, we hear this on our discussion boards, I've, people have said it to me, I don't know what to say to someone who's been diagnosed with metastatic disease. I, I, I don't have the words, I'm not familiar with it. And so I kind of have two questions for you. What would you tell people not to say, because I know there are things that you don't want to hear, and what would you tell people to say?
1: Okay, well, I can tell you that the most of the things in my video I would tell you not to say. Now, I, I, I believe people are, are kind and loving and caring, and that's why they are saying something, and so that's why in my video I said, I'm not saying this to shame anyone, because let me tell you, my friends reached out to me and said, oh my gosh, I said that to you once, and I'm so sorry, and that wasn't my point in saying it. Right. It, it just, it, it gets a little tiresome, um, you know, and there's still so many misconceptions out there about metastatic disease. Um, you know, the crazy cure are a little hard to take every now and then. You know, it's not about an apricot seed or asparagus or, you know, eating this or not eating that or taking this pill, um, you know, but you look so healthy or, oh, you still have your hair, but you're in chemo. Those are the things that are, are kind of difficult to take because you realize the misconception of metastatic disease is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and to tell people, what do you say with someone with metastatic cancer? I don't know that there is a blanket statement. I think you've got to know the person. I think, um, man, I'm thinking about you, or, you know, I'm praying for you, but really pray, like I said in my video. Right. And, um, you know, maybe just reach out and do something kind for them. You know, hey, can I run to the grocery store for you? Um, We are tired. Um, We are tired all the time. Yes, every mom is tired, but a metastatic cancer patient (laughs) is super tired. Um, so I would just say, you know, try to be as kind as you can and just listen to your heart. Um, and if you happen to say, keep fighting, that's really, it's okay. Um, you know, I, I don't want anyone to think to be silent to metastatic patients because we really do want to hear from you. So if you happen to say something wrong, don't think it's wrong. Um, just know sometimes we might roll our eyes at you. (laughs)
0: That's fair. And I know because when you you see a lot when somebody is diagnosed with early stage disease, first diagnosed, there's a lot of, oh, you know, let me bring you a dinner. Let me, you know, clean your house. Let me do these things for you. But when somebody is metastatic and it's chronic and it's ongoing, I think people don't know what to do. Like, should I should I help? Does she need it? I don't know. So, you know, I think your points are very well taken and can be very helpful to some people because, yeah, offer to help. And if the person doesn't need it, the person will say thank you. But if they do, they'll be very grateful and accept you for it, you know, take you up on your offer. Um, So you have now your support group, as you call it, Holly Kitchen and the Cancer Lifers.
1: Yes. Yes, and we have some followers. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) That's great.
0: So tell me... What that support group means to you? What what benefits do you get from that?
1: Well, the women pictured in there. I'll tell you that this um, the same day. Let me go back to my the day of my Mets diagnosis okay. um, because the same day, uh, my oncologist once she delivered the news and informed me about what, about what a metastatic disease was, and she walked kindly walked out of the room and said, "I'll be right back." And when she came back in, she had her little post it note, and she said. Um, call this girl, Um, she's in a local support group, and you need to get connected with them, because I never connected the first round, I didn't Mm -hmm. think I needed support, I just thought, eh, it's breast cancer, I'll get through this, I don't want to associate myself with you cancer people, Mm -hmm. Um, which I couldn't have been more wrong about, Um, so she directed to me um, the Breast Cancer Resource Center um, here in Austin, Um, it's the Lotus Forum group, it's a group for young stage four women, um, and meeting them immediately calmed my panic and gave me such hope. I walked in the room and they were laughing, and I think I thought to myself, "Why are you guys laughing? You're dying." <laughs> um, and some of the women have been thriving for years with the metastatic uh, diagnosis, and that is hope. You know, they've helped me renew my hope in a full life despite my disease. Um, and we share lots and lots of laughs. Um, they get me, I can send them one text, and they understand me. Um, And having a group that understands this on a personal level, um, it's meant the world to me. The fact that they're all younger, many with small children just like me, um, has been very important. And that we're younger metastatic patients, um, we face unique challenges, you know, while going through this. Um, You know, and they help help guide me um, on talking with my kids about cancer, you know, um, we discuss taboo topics, <laughs> like with our marriages and things. Sure. Um, even, we even discuss sex, I won't lie, um, because it changes. Um, and we definitely have laughed together more than we've cried. And that is the most important thing I want
0: to say. Um, very, very, very thankful for the BCRC group, for sure. That's great. And you said that that because they're all younger, that makes it so important because I'm sure that the ch- whatever the challenges you're facing the the questions you have are very very different from somebody who say who's 75 and metastatic
1: absolutely absolutely and in fact I'm the old lady of our group I'm the <laughs> granny of the group at 42 which is sad um but yes um you know because we're all um you know we raising children and um you know we have struggles in our marriages and, you know, with our families that don't get it. <laughs> and, um, so yes, we're in the same stages in our lives. And so that part is so important. And I hate to say that I'm the grandma of the group. That's, that's sad for me. Um, um I'm definitely not the wise one of the group as a side note.
0: <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you're all very wise, very wise. Um. So, it, from your view, what are some of the most common misconceptions about metastatic disease? Because I'm sure you've come across some of them, or, or or people have just asked you questions that were kind of not making sense.
1: Absolutely, um, and I'll I'll try to curb this to the f- a five hour discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably the first one is that I'll have an end date to my treatment, that I'll be done and I'll get to celebrate survivorship. That's not true. Um, but on the other hand, I'm not going to die tomorrow, um, you know, that all cancers are the same and what what works for some, if it works for you, it's going to work for me. Not true. Um, you know, it's a hard thing to hear as a cancer patient that every cancer is different but it's also a lifeline that not every cancer is different, so that's very, very hard. Um, Many people don't understand the need for constant scans and blood tests and doctor's visits. Um, They don't comprehend how much time and energy is taken from my everyday life for me fighting cancer, Um, which takes away from my ability to work, which takes away from my ability to Play with my kids, which takes away from my ability to spend one-on-one time with my husband. Um, So, those are probably my top misconceptions, and I won't bore you with the other.
0: Oh no, it's not boring. I mean, looking at it, it's almost like having a job like absolutely like being treated for metastatic disease is like having a job you have to stay on top of your treatments you have to make you know stay in contact with all the different people on your team because you know you have an oncologist you may you know you may have somebody who specializes in the scans and you may need to see your surgeon and then you've got all the other people that that do all the other tests and then you have to keep track of all your results and i'm sure you're probably doing some research looking for you know (laughs) clinical trials or the latest treatments or keeping up with what's going on so yeah I mean there's there's a lot to do
1: absolutely and let me note that it is a job that I pay very good money for not that I get (laughs) money for um yeah so it is totally a second job and um which is actually, you know, it makes my two children um, number two and three because, you know, my main job has to be to stay alive for them. Sure. And, um, you know, oh, mom, that, that kind of that is a downer. And, you know, I want my kids and my husband to be number one. And, um, you know, the ugly C word has to be my priority. So, yeah, that's for sure.
0: Okay. Okay. So you've done a great thing with this video. I know you've made a lot of people more aware than they were before. Do you have any idea what is next? Like what you have planned? Have you been invited to speak anywhere? I know you're doing a lot of interviews.
1: I am. Um, you know, I was totally, totally and completely unprepared for the tension and popularity of this video. So I'm still trying to figure out where I go from here. Um, mm-hmm. I've got to be real, and i got to remember that I'm still a metastatic stage 4 cancer patient and a mom mm-hmm. and a wife, so those things really have to remain my priority and my number one. But, you know, I'm excited to bring more clarity to metastatic breast cancer and continue to promote an increase in the amount of funding and research dedicated to stage 4 breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I hope to educate others on the incredible financial burden – People face um, with this diagnosis, um, even with insurance. Um, you know, even with health health insurance, cancer patients are twice as likely to file for bankruptcy. And I don't think people know that than the general population. You know, since I'm a lifer, I have very large medical bills for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And you know, no one should have to choose between cancer treatment, and sending our kids to summer camps. So, you know, I had to keep my my focus on um, cancer and my family. But I will be honest and let you in on a secret that I, I don't think I'm done. Um, you know, I have had in the last probably even six hours um, – letting you in on a secret girl. Um, (laughs) I love secrets. I have had it put on my heart of maybe what I do next. And, um, my main thing is, um, not to lose hope, not to lose the face of metastatic cancer and to know we are alive and we are out here and, you know, let's do what we can together. Um, I am trying to respond to all the Facebook messages oh, wow. and um, because I think it is very important. Um, I don't promise to answer everyone with the magic cure-all, mm-hmm. but um, if you're reaching out to me and you say, um, look, I, I want to know this or where do you get your inspiration, please just be patient with me um, and know that I'm a human, I'm a cancer patient, I'm a mom and I'm a wife, And but I am, I'm a lifer with you. And if you're listening to this and you've sent me a message, I'm going to reach out. Um, don't lose hope in me. And don't you dare lose hope in, in this fight. And um, I just, I want to remain real. I really do. That's the bottom line. I want to
0: remain real. That's that's Amazing. That's wonderful. And I don't think we could all ask for anything else. Um, you know, and I will say, too, I, it, it's very brave of you to to put your face on metastatic disease. I think that to me anyway, that's part of the popularity of your video is that you were brave enough to stand out there and say, here, look, at this is what metastatic disease looks like. Because I think some people I, I don't I wouldn't necessarily call it shame, but they just they don't want to face it every day. They I don't. Agree. You know, they I don't. Have, they that's. They don't want to be that. That's the first thing somebody thinks about. But you were brave enough to say no. This is what metastatic disease is. Uh, well,
1: I don't feel brave. <laughs> um, you know, I've got a lot of brave people in my life. Um, uh, my other life, for girls, they're they're just as brave. But um, you know, I I will take what I can get if I can help someone. Um, you know, honestly, my goal in the first video. I told my husband, I want to help five people. So, um, you know.
0: (laughs) So you met your goal. You met your goal. I did. I
1: did. Um, Maybe I ought to make my next goal to reach 10 people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. yes.
0: That would be great. Well, Holly, I know you're busy. I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us and all the BreastCancer.org listeners today. Uh, We wish you all the best. We wish thank you, you, Jamie. To, uh, thank you,
1: thank you. You know,
0: all positive vibes to you, and we can't wait to see what you're going to do next.
1: Yay! Thank you so much, Jamie. And if you want to direct people to Holly and the Cancer Lifers, that'd be awesome. Sure,
0: that's your Facebook oh. page, right? Ma'am. Okay, Holly and the all Cancer right. Lifers. Find them on Facebook. And again, Holly, thank you for being our guest.
1: Thank you, Jamie.